Good morning and welcome to Money Morning, September the 5th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we begin Year C, Proper Week 19, which is the 14th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Monday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the Old Testament passage, which comes to us from the Old Testament, from this week, from the Revised Common Lectionary. And today we're going to be in the book of Exodus, Exodus 32, verses 7 through 14. So let me read that passage, got a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 through 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it, and sacrificed to it, and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone, so that my anger may burn against them, and that I might destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you have brought up out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out, to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you have sworn by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land, I promise them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. This is the word of God for us. So there might be some puppy sounds in the background. We've got Boone, our one-year-old puppy, with us, and he's sniffing around quite a bit. This is the first time being in this room for very long. So uh, when we get a passage of Scripture like this, I mean, there's a lot that we have to deal with, right? Um, on the one hand, I mean, I guess let's talk about the major theme, and then we have our couple options. The major theme is that God is struggling with Israel. They have um, shown that they want to be idolatrous people at this point. Moses, Moses has been gone for 40 days, and in the meantime, they've gotten a little antsy, a little stir-crazy, and they decided to make a golden calf from the gold that was given to them by the nation of Egypt on their way out, right? And so here they are, like they have turned away from worshiping the one true God, and they're worshiping something that they've created themselves. And so God wants to wipe the map with them, right? Like he wants to start over. He wants to use Moses. But Moses has to appeal to God. And so here's just a couple of options here. Now, option number one is to say, well, um, God knew that Moses would appeal to him. And so this is how God started the conversation, knowing that Moses would object. And then God ultimately spares him, which God always wanted to do. Right. So someone like on the spectrum of sovereignty and God um, knowing the end from the beginning meticulously, that's how they would reason uh, the outworking of this passage, right? But another option is that God is open, right? And God is dealing with his people in an open-minded, open-hearted way where things aren't so determined. 
And so God truly is frustrated. Like he's got true regret, perhaps, in his heart and mind for what Israel has done. And he is weighing the options. And it looks more and more appealing that he would wipe all these people out and start over from a few people again. And so Moses's appeal is not just like, I don't know, a trophy appeal, like something that was already determined was going to happen. But Moses's appeal is real. Like he is truly asking God to reconsider. I mean, Moses knows how powerful God is. He's seen God's power again and again. And he has heard the old stories, right, about how God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they would have a plentiful community, a huge collection of offspring that would fill the whole earth. And so this gets in the way of that promise. And so Moses is appealing. He's like pounding on the door of heaven. Do not do this. It's going to go against what you promised your faithful ones. And it's going to make your name a byword among the nations. I mean, Egypt will have no other option but to say, how crazy is this deity that he would deliver them from Egypt only to wipe them out in the wilderness? Like what type of crooked and cruel God is this after all? And so all we know is that God takes it in and that Moses is bold and daring. And verse 14 says that God relented says, then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened, right? So God was going to move in one direction and God backpedals and he goes another direction, okay? That's what leads many folks, including Old Testament scholar Walt Brueggemann, to suggest that um, some of our early pictures of God in Genesis and Exodus is a God that's in recovery, who's taking steps forward, steps back as God is working out how this plan is going to come to its fulfillment uh, through this one people. And I think God's right. Like this is a crooked people. They are a stiff necked people, obstinate. They will not yield and they want their own way. And so God wonders, how am I going to turn this stiff necked people into a worshiping people? Well, how you start is you get a leader like Moses. Now is Moses perfect? He's not. We'll see Moses uh, before this and after this be a judge of the matters of the people. He'll sit down and reason with them uh, to the point where it exhausts him. And his father-in-law says, you need to divide the labor here so that you don't exhaust yourself. And so Moses is among the people and he's also with God. And he reflects on God's previous promises and he's in tune into the present moment. I mean, this is a great picture of a leader. Once again, Moses is not perfect. Actually, he's going to default himself from being able to go into that promised land with that people. But he's doing his best, and his best is kind of shining right here in this moment. He's bold before God, but he's also submissive before God. He's clear-headed in his reasoning, and he also just allows God to do whatever God wants. But Moses loves the people of Israel, and he loves the God of Israel, and he wants to see them reason together, right? I think that's a good place for us to dwell. Like, what's our place in this world? Um, There's times where we give a lot of hot takes and people get frustrated by us because our heavy opinions come across this judgment, right? And there are times where we just keep our own business and we don't worry about the business or affair of others because we say, you know, it's not my place, right? So we have to figure out what faithfulness looks like, okay? Like how can we not tone down our truth, but uh, change our tone? As uh, Pastor Rufus Smith from Memphis said, uh, once said, and how can we like still be bold and say, no, like we need to go after God's best. So in the overlap of those two things, like of having a, I guess Brene Brown said it this way, a soft front and a hard back, we engage with the complexities of this world, we put our trust in God, and we appeal 
for God's goodness to pass by us and for the good things to be plotted in the world around us. So that can start with us, right? That starts in our personal life, in our corporate lives, to ask God, God, give me your grace so I can find and discern what might be wise in this moment so I can live to the depth of it. So with that in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I rejoice in you today. I thank you that we're in the family of God and we can bring our concerns to you, God. We thank you for the promise of Scripture where it says that we can cast our cares upon you because you care for us. And God, there are times um, when we have to admit that we don't carry the greatest concerns of the world around us. We've got a lot going on ourselves, and so we just reason that we'll focus on those things. And um, if we do those things well, it'll have a cascading effect to those other important things out there. And, and so God, forgive us for our inattentiveness. Forgive us sometimes for our indifference. Um, we're not so quite moved as much as you want us to be moved about the things that truly grieve and concern your heart and mind. God, we understand this day that we can have a boldness like Moses, that we can stand before you and that we can bring our requests and our petitions to you, God. We can place them into your hands. We can press upon you the importance of your name and faithfulness throughout the earth. We can impress upon you the outworking of all that you have promised so that people can praise you and they can glorify you as the God who holds all things together. And so God, this day, I pray that you might find us in the posture of Moses in between the people and you, God, and I pray that we might be able to reason with our peers, but also bring requests to you, God. We pray that as we do so, that you'd stitch together a faithful community, people who with great joy and celebration, but also passion and concern, bring before you the greatest needs of the earth. And I pray that your people would plot the goodness for the days to come. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.